Oh, no, it can't come now. It must. She wants it to come. Yes, and so do I, but there are too few of us here to carry it now. Too heavy. Do you mean you don't want your clothing or your kitchenware to come? Is that what you mean? another episode of a thousand and one by one where each week we take a film out of the book a thousand and one movies you must see before you die discuss it analyze it and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book my name is adam st john my name is Britt reinhold hobson uh and before we get to talking about the uh the, the the New Zealand gothic esque romance adjacent uh, semi mute film uh, the piano um, we're gonna get some we're gonna give you some recommends as per the usual um, I haven't hosted in a while and I don't know if anybody anybody dying to go first I'll go first no cool yes Joey you go first yeah, I'll, I'll go, go for it man so you know I chose to go with someone who couldn't communicate because of a reason, not because of, you know, just not feeling like talking. Um, so I went with 2016's Hush, a Mike Flanagan film. Oh, Deaf Rider in the woods, getting stalked by a killer. It's a really good movie. I don't know why it doesn't get talked about more. I feel like it, it just, people just, not enough people have seen it, but it's great and it's a lot of fun and, and a very different Joey way of doing horror movie. And I love it. Mike Flanagan loves casting his wife, which fine. I mean, I would too. She's great. You know what? If my husband was Mike Flanagan, I would also hope that he would cast me all the time. But I do think that sometimes he relies on her a little too much. That being said, she's great and it's fine. But I usually am like, oh, what's she going to play next? Oh, there she is. I, I really like Hush and it is... Whenever I get into a, uh, a like a quasi debate with theater friends, particularly my playwriting friends, I tell them that they need to write plays like Hush because Hush would make an excellent stage play. That'd be so fun. Um, it would. And I just, I just, the it, it's such a it, I f- it almost feels like such an obvious concept that I'm surprised nobody had done it before. Not really, but I loved, I really loved everything from it. Um, the casting's great. Uh, is it John Gallagher Jr. is great in it too? Like, I, I mean, honestly, those that's yeah, it's He's it's a awesome. home invasion story with a twist, yeah, yeah, and it's smart. Everything makes sense the way it builds. It all exists in the world. It's so good. John Gallagher Jr. Uh, twice showing up now in Joey's recommends because uh, you recommended Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yep, not too long ago. <laughs> Perfect. He's good. I love. He should do I more. Lo- I love the. Um, that's an, a nice, weird parallel to the movie that we're talking about today. I like it. I dig it. I dig it. All right. So Joey's recommending Hush. Britt, what do you got this week? I got another weird parallel. Um, I actually watched this movie directly after I watched The Piano yesterday. And um, I was looking for something with Sam Neill in it because I love Sam Neill. And um, <laughs> I, 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 
I find him very interesting. He chooses really interesting parts. And I read an article where he stated that he thought he would be more appropriate for Harvey Keitel's character in The Piano um, instead of being Alistair. And I don't really agree with that because I think he's very, very good at playing the unhinged man who is not able to understand why a woman won't love him back. And so this week, I am going to recommend 1981's Possession. If you haven't seen Possession, it follows a man named Mark as he tries to figure out why his wife left him. And this movie is so unhinged. I love it. It showcases my absolute favorite subway scene in the entire world. It's truly disturbing and visceral. It's currently on Shudder, so if you would like to watch an over-the-top cosmic horror, I highly recommend it as long as you do a little bit of research to make sure it's not going to trigger you at all because it is, oof, it's a movie. Joey, have you seen this? I have not. Ooh. I I haven't either, but my my physical media nerdness will come out because there uh, Second Sight out of UK, and I think there is a there's a label in the US as well are working on a 4K restoration of it. Oh, um, and it feels like from from the little that I know is that it it is kind of an underseen movie as well. So I think this uh, this kind of relaunch of it in 4K is gonna hopefully hopefully bring it to some new people's eyes. And I have been eyeing it myself, so. Oh, the, very cool. Uh, the lead woman in it, and I don't have her name written down. I should. That That's my bad. She won, like, Best Actor at the Palme d'Or oh, wow. um, for this movie. It also wasn't shown for a very long time. I think, like, in certain places it didn't get released until 1999 because it is really disturbing. And it was absolutely, like, a part of the um the the video uh, the video nasties where they're like nope nope we're gonna throw this one out because the subject matter is far too disturbing and it it is really disturbing and upsetting but Sam Neill is awesome in it so please watch watch it Possession 1981 awesome awesome so hush Possession and and mine is probably the most I went with the most on the nose one um and uh, it, it's funny. I've been thinking that recently I haven't been rewatching a lot of the the Oscar movies from the last four or five years because just as time goes on, you try to catch up, you try to step with them. But uh, last night I revisited Jane Campion's director winning turn uh, with The Power of the Dog. Um, and I am I'm recommending that not just because we're talking about Jane Campion, but because that movie holds up and um the things that you I'll say about the power of a dog are the things that we'll probably expand upon with the piano. But um, from a design standpoint, from a cinematography standpoint, from the score to, I think putting, putting people who maybe we would have thought can only play certain kinds of roles and, and working kind of against that um, the power of the dog is, is full of that. Um, and I think, I think the three leads of the power of the dog, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons are all, doing things that uh they hadn't really been asked or asked a lot of to do um and it's just such a it is such a dense movie and i mean that in the best way possible um so yeah power of the dog any of you revisited that in the last few years no i've not seen about it sorry Britt, you go first oh no we always talk at the same time so it's fine (laughs) well somebody go yeah so I, i have not watched it since we did the you know we did the best picture cast uh, Oscar episode, and it's you know I, I 
I watched it two or three times that year. I, I do wonder if it would move up. It was I think I had it like four or five for that year of the best picture nominees. I have a confession. I've never seen it. Um, just wasn't something that tickled my fancy at the time. Now, after watching the piano and realizing, oh, I've seen quite a few things that I do like. I appreciate her vision and the way she puts together movies. So I, I need to watch it. And I thought about watching it. But then instead, I watched Possession. Hey, that's we OK, all, too. We all make our choices. Sounds right. Yep. <laughs> and I decided to watch you know, a movie with tentacle porn. Uh, so. All right. That's. Well, there you go. That's not a hook to get people in. I don't know what is. Right. It's exactly. Exactly. Tentacle uh, so uh, <laughs> the, the power of the dog possession and hush. Those are our recommends this week. Um, but let's get into let's get into talking about the piano. Uh, this was written and directed uh, by Jane Campion, um, produced by Jan Chapman. Um, the, the, it's it's kind of a big extended cast, but our main cast uh, we have uh, Holly Hunter as Ada, Harvey Keitel as George Baines, Sam Neill as Alastair Stewart, and uh, Anna, pa- Anna Paquin as Ada's daughter Flora. Um, there are, I mean, there are other people in the movie. I'm I'm leaving out um, like Carrie Walker who plays Aunt Morg and Gene- Genevieve uh, Genevieve Lemon who plays Nessie, um, and also one of the best kind of actors around cliff curtis is in this as like a real un, un underutilized person but he is great uh just across the board and like everything that he's in um but really really we're revolving around those four actors um yeah uh jane camping does not have any other films in the book i took a look at her imdb and i was really surprised to to to, to see that i really had only seen this in power of the dog i had not seen um, I had not seen any of her other movies. I know uh, In the Cut was kind of a, a bigger movie for her back in the day. Uh, I never saw Bright Star, uh, which I, I heard was good, but I, I never I saw really it. I really like Bright Star a lot. Um, oh, great. Well, it's there you go. very quiet. Very, It's it's similar t- in this type of like vein uh, and, and very similar, honestly, like lighting and everything. But the costuming is beautiful. The uh, performances that she elicits from her actors, I think, are fantastic and i really liked bright star i've only seen it once though so i could go back and think oh this is a piece of crap but at the time i really loved it yeah i have Um, very little relationship with her i think power of the dog was the first thing i watched because despite what i said last week i did not see this in the theaters i don't know what the hell i was thinking about (laughs) and all week all week i was like what (laughs) was i talking about and it was not this so i don't know i did not see this in theaters i saw this for the first time i did not I saw some questionable things as a kid, but no, I did not go to the theaters at eight years old uh, to watch this. Well, there you go. There you go. Now, uh, th- now, Joey, I don't mean to disclude you from this, um, but but Britt, now, did you did you watch Top of the Lake? I love Top of the Lake. I don't okay, I, like the second season very much, but I really enjoyed the first season. I what from what I could read about it, I. And I don't please take this in the right way. It's like that sounds like a Brit show. I just it was is like, a I'm Brit sure. show. Okay, all right, all right, hundred percent, absolutely. Though I'm not a, a huge fan of Elizabeth Moss. I think she's just in everything, and I don't understand why. Um, no, don't because she's not a great actor. I just am like, okay, let's cast other people too, because there's lots of actors that could probably do these roles. But she's great in this, and um, 
Holly Hunter is in it and she's amazing because she's amazing in everything basically and I just I really enjoyed it it's really disturbing though um it goes into some wild places where I think the piano does go into some pretty wild places uh in a very subdued way but um but she goes like full full into just like oh you want disturbing here you go um yeah, it's 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 really good though. I really enjoyed it. I watched it by myself because it's not something that like anybody else in my life would want to watch. So, okay, all right, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Well, I think that's as we kind of get into talking about the piano. I think that might be one of her best strengths as a director is yeah knowing where to shoot and what to shoot, um, which mm-hmm. is also it goes hand in hand with her 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 DP as well. Um, in terms of accolades, I mean, this was uh, this was a contender all year for for everything. Um, it won the Palme d'Or, or it, it was tied for the Palme d'Or at Cannes that year. Um, Holly Hunter won Best Actress at Cannes, and basically uh, everything else that existed for movie awards in 1993, Holly Hunter won it, um, which includes uh, the BAFTA, the Golden Globe, and of course the Oscars. Um, it was up for a bunch of Oscars. It won three. Um, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress for Anna Paquin, and Best Original Screenplay. It was also up for, but did not win, Best Picture, Director, Editing, Cinematography, and Costume Design. Um, Who did win for Costume Design that year? That Sorry. was the the Age of Innocence, which is another period piece film. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, it, and if I had to guess... There's just more costumes in the Age of Innocence. Um, there's more balls. There's more sitting rooms. There's just more more to yeah, flaunt. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But, like, those were very accurate in this one. I got to say, when she's, like, putting her sleeves on and you're like, <laughs> oh, that is how the sleeves would be. And Awesome. And- and that's uh, I I uh, yeah I can't I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that thought because I have many thoughts about many things in this. <laughs> Me movie. too. Big um, surprise. Uh, this but what happened is uh, this movie kind of ran into the juggernaut that was Schindler's List uh, that year, um, which won a lot of things just as well, just as well. Spielberg himself uh, accounted for many uh, award wins that year because Jurassic Park also came out in '93. Um, uh, on the new Sight and Sound poll that came out last year, uh, this was tied for number 50 on the 250 greatest films of all time. Um, so that's that's that that's a thing. Just wanted to let you know that's a that that was something that happened. Um, gang, is this film on the IMDb top two fifty? I did not look, but I'm going to say no. I did not look, and I have in here that I was going to go with no. But now that Joey said no, I'll go with <laughs> yes, just to be contentious. <laughs> Well, I do I do love that. I didn't know if dropping um the uh the fact that it made the sight and sound poll, which two different lists, I'm very aware, um, if that would throw anybody off. Uh it, it did is not, a little bit. It did it ah, okay. a little bit. Uh it is not currently on the IMDB top two fifty. Wait, the list made by directors and losers on IMDB.com are different lists. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> You know, I, I I I didn't know I didn't know what what you know if that was going to be if that would be too obvious or not. Um, it, the people who vote differently, but sure. 
just they might vote a little bit differently on those two lists. I mean, where did Joker come in on Sight and Sound? It was two. Do we Great know? Qu- Great question. Um, on the Sight and Sound poll, they actually said Vertigo, no. Joker in it too. So uh, that okay. was that was an amendment they made last week. They had a press conference in Brussels. Amazing. And it was oh, a I whole missed thing. It, it was yeah, a big that deal. was big news. Yeah, it was at a two-year-old's birthday. So that paint. was my bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, no, Lots no, of face no. Face paint and dancing. <laughs> so piano fifty on the sight and sound poll. Joker seventy-nine on the IMDb top two fifty. That is where uh, we are at with those Still things. There. Still um, too high. Uh, I do. I do just want to read a little bit from. Uh, Ebert's review, and this really is a little bit, but he he hits something there in in the last part of this review that is, I I, I and I, I I found this afterwards. So when he wrote it, I was like, oh man, he he phrased that so well. So he goes, uh, the piano is a peculiar and haunting as any film I've seen. It is a movie. Uh, uh, the piano is a movie people have been talking about ever since it first played at Cannes last May and shared the Grand Prix. It is one of those rare movies. That is not just about a story or some characters, but about a whole universe of feeling, of how people can be shut off from each other, lonely and afraid, about how help can come from unexpected sources, and about how you'll never know if you never ask. But it's that universe of feeling part that really, really sticks out to me. Um, so, so yeah, um, those are some things. Now, uh, do you like lists? Universally, yes. Great, Mm-mm. great. Not, I not so much. I forget my lists every episode, so no. Okay, so um, I, I, and Britt, you had fun recently. I was, I was editing our LA Confidential pod, and then you like you flip, you flipped the script a little bit, and you had us kind of make a list. Um, so as people who know me know, um, I, I love the Oscars, but in particular, I love the best original screenplay Oscar. Um, and at some point after I had seen movies in and around the time of Pulp Fiction, which again, if you know me, you know, that's my favorite movie of all time. Um, I kind of really fell in love with that particular award. Um, and I went on, I went on a run when I was in high school of watching the winners that I could find. And so based on my, this is a preference. This is, the top this is ranking the 10 winners of best original screenplay in the 90s this is a list that i made and it's a list i made before we watch before i watched the piano again amazing i love this love this so, no notes and, keep going and i'm actually going to go in reverse of how we do it so number 1 on the best original screenplay winners Pulp Fiction. I've already said that. This is my list. You can you can hate it all you want to, people, but that's this is my list. Number two, Fargo. Number three, Goodwill Hunting. Number four, The Usual Suspects. These are all solid. Like I can't. I no notes. All solid choices. So far, f- good job. All right. <laughs> He's going to throw something in. <laughs> Number five, well, we'll see. Number five, Thelma and Louise. Number six, which might be high for some people, American Beauty. Number seven, Ghost. Number eight, Shakespeare in Love. 
number nine, The Crying Game. And my lowest rated of all the winners of Best Original Screenplay of the 90s is The Piano. Now, this is where I say that I watched this probably when I was like 17 and thought it was slow and dull and dumb and whatever. Um, and so when you watch it after you've, you've kind of grown up a little bit, um, you, you, there's just, there's just, there really is just so much going on. So when we, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk, we're going to talk like we do. And then I'm going to give you the list now. I'm going to give you that same list after the watch. Um, so uh, really, really quickly, because I really want to open this up. What is the piano about? Broad strokes. Um, the piano is about a, a woman who has basically been uh, put into an arranged marriage and is sailed across the world to live with a husband she hasn't met. When she gets there, um, she wants nothing to do with him. Her, uh, her, her real, her, one of her, her, her true love, the piano, is essentially abandoned but then taken by this Baines character. And in order to play it, she sort of goes into a quid pro quo relationship that if she plays for him um, and does some, some sexual things, she will earn the piano back. One thing per key, that's a, a plot point there. Um, and the relationship turns... Uh, a bit a bit more mutual, which uh, obviously rubs her husband the wrong way um and um and then and then things happen so uh Britt, had you ever seen this before? Yes, I had, but I saw it when I was probably around like sixteen uh so I did not understand this film when I was younger um I had read like wuthering heights i I love gothic literature so i and somebody had mentioned like oh this is a gothic movie because it's it's it has many many gothic themes in it and so i watched it and honestly the heart of this film made no sense to me i couldn't i thought it was just kind of dull and a little extreme in certain places and uh, you know i didn't understand what was happening with the daughter and just every, it, it was completely lost on me when i was 16 years old which I think is understandable um so I rewatched it again for the first time like this week basically and and Joey we now know that you've never you had not seen this film before that was not a thing that you had seen <laughs> you weren't an eight-year-old uh, in the cinema <laughs> seeing the piano <laughs> I can't get over that yeah yeah I wasn't I wasn't but I did watch it hooray I get what they were going for Okay. I could not have been this less is... interested at oh, any point in time. Wow. And I knew. Oh. I knew it's trust, it's communication. I know everything they're doing. And I just don't think that it was capable of pulling it all off. And I was interested, like, once. Um, one character I liked, I think Alastair Stewart is the biggest loser in the entire world of <laughs> cinema. Oh, 100%. Like, nobody is a bigger loser than this guy. Like, he... Like, what a clown. What... A fucking clown. And it's Sam Neill, so it's like, oh, this guy should be awesome. Um, all that he's good at is having unbelievable axe accuracy. Otherwise, what a clown. He's a logger, so he better uh, have just axe un- accuracy. Like. Absurd accuracy. I was very impressed. Um, Anna Paquin was fantastic, though. And I, I loved every, I, every time she was in, it kept me from not turning this off. 
Oh my I am, goodness, this is I'm so out. interesting. And I knew what they were doing. Now it looks beautiful, and I'm not going to take away this the, the the cinematography and everything like that. It is that. one of the most beautiful movies yeah, I've like ever it's seen. Beautiful. To be perfectly honest, the shot of the piano at the ocean, I I want that like framed in my house. I think that's gorgeous. But even though I, you hate this movie, nothing worked for me. <laughs> I, wow. I will, I will say really quick as we're talking about it. Any chance I can? So. Very, very recently, Criterion put this out on 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 4K, and um, holy shit, like it, it looked. I mean, it. Oh, it looks so good. It really, it it is it is a beautiful film anyway. But oh my god, it was majestic. It was such a fucking treat to watch. It looks so good. Okay, so we we definitely have to unpack this now. This is. I am this so is excited. This is great. These are um, these are my favorite kind of episodes. So I don't really know how to do this other than maybe trying to go as much as as we can. We can veer off, but but chronologically, um, because I, I I took so many fucking notes. I I really just took so many notes. Um, and part of what like I mean, this isn't the first thing, but part of what I love like right off the bat is that already we're dealing with um we've got uh like the Maori, and and we have uh British Sign Language, and as somebody who knows ASL, uh, I was befuddled. Uh, tremendously because British sign language is a, is a, is a, a awfully different thing. Um, and then I was listening to Holly Hunter talk about it and they were working with an interpreter. So not only was it, it wasn't ASL, but then they said like, they also just, because it was a mother daughter, they also just like made up signs that were unique to them. Cause I, yeah. which is cool. I'm watching part of this and I'm going like this, some of this doesn't even seem like it's actual sign language, which is great that they, that they, they had this kind of a connection between between mother and daughter in the in the story. I agree. No, I actually went. Uh, I didn't look too far into it, but I did find out that like she just started creating basically her own language. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be wrong about this. But they came to that conclusion because like ASL in like British ASL wasn't really a huge thing at the time that the movie was created like in like the 1850s so they had the ability to go back and she did create the signs because she like technically historically could and I'm sure that was something that was really uh beneficial for Anna Paquin being nine when she freaking did this incredible performance and really did help them kind of become this very important unit within this film um I I also like the fact that uh, Jane, the director, said that it was way too intense at first, and she had to like tell Holly Hunter, "You got to pull it back because we got we got to be able to empathize with you." Because she was really, really like just forceful in all of her movements and very extreme, which I kind of I could have used more of. You were I, supposed to like I, her. I you were supposed to like really... anybody in this. The, the loser, the rapist, or the select mute with no personality? Who am I supposed to like? Okay, let's be let's be real. He's a loser rapist, and then we They're have all rapists. a conniving rapist. They're all rapists. Hundred percent. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the, so, the, the personalityless one who Holly Hunter, one of the most personality I've ever seen in an actress, just nothingness. It is the 1850s. She is so reserved. Like this is oh, I get it. Quintessential reserved lady. So Great. I actually do not agree with that whatsoever. Very uninteresting. But you are allowed to have that opinion. I get what uh, she was going for. It doesn't make it interesting. See, that's oh, I so... think it's so interesting. Oh, and I love Holly Hunter. 
pro Holly Hunter, and I, I think she did well, good with what's here. I just I just think it was very uninteresting. I don't know, honestly, if it wasn't for Anna Paquin running around, I, I, I'd want one of those wildfires just to take everyone over. Um, I I I think you are. I, I think that you're dead wrong. Um, just across the I, board, yeah. I think you're just dead wrong. Um, not only well, and so I was, and I was thinking about this too because over the summer I had finally I had never seen Raising Arizona. I just had never oh, I had never seen it. And and so I thought, well, wow, that's she's she's great in that, and she's great in broadcast news. And I was thinking about like where like and and in the same year she's in the firm, which is obviously wildly different than the piano. Oh, oh, I love the firm. <laughs> uh, oh, firm is great. Firm is very entertaining. It's so, fun. but like she's Holly Hunter is definitely on her way to like more like mainstream traditional like movie. Oh yeah, I don't say movie star, but like. Like a real actress, like like, and I I hate to use this, but like you know, like Meryl Streep level, like her first few uh, roles were all notable big movies, which is which is awesome. Um, and so when I mentioned the thing about James Campion uh, at the uh, beginning of the episode about Power of the Dog and casting, not, maybe not against type, but like you know, like Harvey Keitel is always the hard banging New Yorker in a Scorsese film, and now he's this he's this interesting character who who isn't quite what we've seen him do and 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 Holly Hunter specifically who has to who has such I mean Holly Hunter's southern her real voice is just so it's just so it's so um it, yeah it, it's it's a, it's a character under herself that to take it away I thought was casting her and doing that I thought was I mean I which Maybe it doesn't make the film better, but like it already, I'm like, well, I'm already really in because I love that they took away her voice. I mean, obviously it's the character, but they took it away from Holly Hunter, which is. Yes. Yeah. And she command, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, Joey, you're not going to agree with this at all, yeah, but fine. I do think that when she is in the shot, she commands that shot. It's beautiful. Um, there's oh, a, I think a she's point. great. It's the character that I think is uninteresting. Holly Hunter's no shade at Holly really- Hunter. I think it's a really difficult character, and I love when um, when a writer allows women to be difficult and unlikable because women are difficult and unlikable sometimes. They don't have to be, so you know, the quintessential, I guess. And I, I guess that's what I appreciate about this character is that she is difficult and and she doesn't try to be what people want her to be at all whatsoever, even the audience. She only tries for the so that, that that line. That line from Ebert's review about the the universe of feeling. So I, when the movie got done, I was sitting there. My first thought was I just wildly, wildly underappreciated this movie. I just I I don't know what I saw when I was young, and clearly we get older, our life experiences change how we see something. But there's so there's the scene where. I think it's where her and Anna Paquin, uh, sorry, her and Flora and Baines have walked back down to the beach so that she can, um, I think this is it. It might be, it might be before they actually go up, but it's when she stuck her, she sticks her hand through the hole so she can play the little bit of the piano, right? It's and, right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's before they go. Yeah. But so, so she's, she's doing this and then. I took a note and I said this this movie already feels like it's it's based on a novel because I feel like it's doing such a good job of putting in these details that other other directors might have missed and then well and yes while it wasn't based on any specific book I know there's there's you know it, it could have been based on this or that and she was obviously a, a fan of Bronte herself but like the fact that this is an original screenplay and it to me it felt like 
it felt like it was from a book. And I say that because there were so many things that seemed so specific, but weren't given, like we didn't have to explain a certain thing. And I personally, I, I thought that was so enticing. It did the thing to me that I think probably pushed Joey away where I was like, I was like, oh my God, what what is the history of this thing or that thing or, or what, you know, I just thought that was, that was great. I, and I dis, and I don't, maybe this is, I'm not sure where, where Brit falls in this one. I thought, I thought Sam Neill's performance was was fantastic, and I and the reason I I say that is because I don't think he's a loser. In fact, what I think is that he is the average man with money at that time. And like, and there's scenes, there's parts of the of the story where he's like, before he before he goes off the rails at the end, it would be everything. Like, he's actually for for his character at that time, he's showing restraint. At the early parts of the movie, for a man at that time, he's not, he's letting her have her space. He's, and, and like, and, and I thought, I thought, I think where his character goes is actually tremendously interesting. I'm obsessed with Sam Neill in this movie. Uh, <laughs> I do think he's a loser. When he's, I also, go, go for it, Joey, go. You know, when I, when he's hiding under the floorboards watching his wife, his wife have sex, I'm like, what a stand up awesome fella. He's not a stand-up awesome fella. I actually think he's the depiction of, um, in like, in toxic masculinity, you know, like the person who's like, I've done everything right and you still won't sleep with me. That kind of asshole. That's what Sam Neill's character is. Yeah, a loser. So good. He is, this character is an impossible character. Um, I think Sam Neill himself described him as an ugly Jane Campion man because she writes really ugly men and. He um, he manages instead of just being a villain, a one dimensional villain, he manages to play a really lonely, unhappy, but also evil man. Um, He still attempts to rape her multiple times. He still cuts her finger off because he can't have what he wants. But somehow he still elicits sympathy. And I don't know how he does it, but I'm so impressed with Sam Neill, which is why I had to like watch another movie with him after this, because I just was like, God, I love him so much. Um, And I shouldn't love this character. I shouldn't ever. And I don't sympathize. I, I don't want to sympathize with him. But there's something so human about when he is like sitting with her and she's touching him and he's like, I just want to touch you. And it's, it, it makes my, my, like it took my breath away when he said that, even though I'm like, you just tried to rape her in the forest. He that's not, her. this is not okay. I mean, that's, that's very normal at that time, unfortunately. Like he did, you know, and he also, the first thing he says to her is like, you're stunted because she's five one. Um, and, and he is just, he's the quintessential idiot that is also evil but I love him I think he's so good in this movie I think he's he I have two potential unsung heroes he might be one um I haven't decided yet so I'm putting that out there oh this is so this is so great because I I agree that he's a loser but I don't think that he's an idiot and what he's doing or at least the way that I kind of I I see the performance is that the reason why you you well, the reason that I I, not, I don't want to speak for you, but the reason why I felt that that sense of empathy, if that's what we want to call it, is because he's not, for my opinion, he's not the mustache twirling guy. Like for me, he seems like like we there's so many times we see him like chopping wood or just doing shit around the house. Like he's not like 
like, yeah, he's an idiot, right? He's like, why would, why won't they sell me their land, their burial land? Like, well, dude, it's important to them. You're a fucking moron. Yes, he is a loser, but there are, there are so many moments where he is, he's just trying to be a normal person. And that's, I think that's why it works is because he's just a guy in, in, me, a in guy. this period. He is a guy who is incapable of reading cues whatsoever. (laughs) I mean, at the beginning when they say like, we have to bring the piano, he just completely disregards it. And then when she gets upset that he sells the piano to Baines, who she does see as lesser than herself because she is a, a, she is like a, a high standing Scots lady. Um, he he says, we all have to sacrifice for this family. And in he, he's so, he is an idiot because he can't read cues at all. But my God, when he is like under that house watching everything, I live for it because I'm like, God, you're just so creepy in the best <laughs> way, Sam Neill. This is the performance I want because I guess he's so open with the audience. He's so lonely and open. It's almost as if he wants us to experience things with him because nobody else in the world can experience anything with him at the time. And what a what a fucking performance. Let me tell you. I think, Sam Neill. I, I, God. I think his best scene is when he's talking to his aunts over the cup of tea and he just like looks at the tea and he's just devastated and nothing went the way he expected it to. And I was like, oh, good job there, Sam Neill. Sam Neill in 2022 would have like a podcast talking about like have to wake up at 3 a.m. for like hustle culture bullshit. And he would oh be insufferable yeah. and everyone would make fun of him on the internet. But I have a question about the beach and stuff. So they go there. They have all the Maori with them. They can't take the piano. It, pianos are so heavy. So heavy. I've moved many pianos. They're awful. But so Baines, Ada, and Flora go. Great scene. Her hands through the piano and and Harvey Keitel just doing a wonderful job of like, you know, spinning rape fantasies in his head. Um, but how did now the three of them get it back when a group of very strong Maori loggers who probably carry tons on their back every day. How did the three of them get this there that they couldn't do? Well, they, they didn't. How'd they get it back to the house? He Baines, hired more people. He just got yeah, them all? Baines goes, yeah. Baines goes back. Yeah. Again? Baines goes back with his buddies because he's a part of the Maori culture, apparently. Um, he got the sick tattoos, so he's in. He um he's ingratiated himself to them, even though that's one thing in this movie that I do have. Well, there are, there are quite a few things that I have issue with this, in this movie. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think it's incredibly beautiful, but I'm like, ooh, that's a maybe for 1993 that was okay, but now I'm not sure it works. Um, but one thing I do have an issue with in this movie is the fact that Jane Campion does does just kind of use the Maori people as set dressing instead of actually, and I don't think that most movies need to be political. I don't think that we needed to necessarily bring all of the horrendous like history of the colonization of New Zealand, which is really awful, and I did do some research into that. But it would have been nice if we had a couple of Maori characters who weren't uh, who were named. Um, in particular, like the woman who cradles Flora and comforts her, it would have been really nice to have a couple of additional scenes with her so that you can understand the, um, because she's so nurturing and incredible in that moment. It's one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. And I'm like, damn it, she's incredible. You could have given her more to do instead of just being nameless in the background, even though let's be real, Flora is nameless. They never say her name in the movie. Yeah. But she's beyond the name. She's so good. 
she's yeah exactly but you know there are moments that they could have expanded upon the Maori experience even through Ada's eyes because this whole movie is through Ada's eyes right they could have done something that was a little more full for that because it is the Maori people are such an important part of New Zealand obviously and I just don't think it is noted enough in this movie well especially how hard it is for like an outsider to get accepted into the culture the way Baines was like yes like the history of Baines being a Scottish sailor who ends up in New Zealand by you know whatever happens that he stays and then just becomes like that's very fascinating stuff that just doesn't exist and reality is this is not a long movie it moves very quickly you could I'm happy with a more minutes here and there kind of fleshing that out a little bit because I think it's fascinating and then when you know everything turns after the play um and he has to go how you know what that all means like I think that's all very interesting that just doesn't exist I this is this conversation is so great because I'm about to like I I really really love this movie um me too. I do I, actually I'm, genuinely love I, this movie too. I am glad it's not longer. Um, I, I don't want to know Baines' backstory. Like, the fact that I didn't get it made me more interested. I don't know why. I thought it was, like, he has the tattoos. He, he's clearly been accepted by the Maori, but we don't know why. And I'm, I'm kind of into it. Um, and, I, and then, like, I'm also kind of glad we didn't get the, the Maori side story because I feel like it, then it wouldn't have been about too much. I like that they're there. In fact, the thing about the Maori in the movie is that they are the most sympathetic people there. Like, if we're looking for somebody to go, like, well, these people are the people I care about, it's them. Like, that's, yeah. Yes, I will say yes, but mostly I feel like that's because they're kind of pushed off in the background and they don't have an opportunity to be anything but sympathized with. Um, but that's what's happening and, in real time, right? Like they're yeah. like Baines is literally trying to. Uh, not, I'm sorry, Stewart's literally trying to take their burial land. Like the well, and that's the, a, the insult of the of the play, like everything going on. It is all just pushed aside, so it is true to what's going. That on. That is all based on the Treaty of, and I'm gonna. I might say this wrong, and I'm very sorry, but the Treaty of Waitangi um, in like February of 1840, basically. Uh, was a treaty that was signed by multiple um, Maori tribes and it allowed them to have their their lands and they kind of, it was like, oh, the colonizers are coming in, but we're still governing ourselves. There was mistranslation within that treaty. So they didn't know that they were actually um, now under British rule. They were given shitty land. They were um, not told that they would have to sell their land to the British. And they were also no longer under governing themselves. So this was all happening at the same time as this film. So I just, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of history that I think they purposefully didn't put in the movie. Like, that's that's a oh. pretty big deal. And they kind See, of put it in. But in it doesn't need to be a historical but, drama. It's not that. No, that, it doesn't need to well, be a historical drama, but you can still touch on those moments. I I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's a, an agree to disagree in terms of, just from, just from the storytelling totally. of, of this movie, because I feel like if if we start like if uh, if Stewart's reading the paper or something, he's like, "Well, this trip," I'd be like, "Ah, stop, stop," because right. the movie really like if we go too far down that path, then maybe I stop caring more about this really fucked up love triangle that we have, 
And I, I, yeah, and I don't want to lose the Maori either. And that's why, like, I don't know, like, I really can't believe how much I, I fucking dug pretty much every aspect of this movie. And I can't wait to say this. I'm the low one on Anna Paquin. I thought she was only okay. I thought I She's so good. thought she was so good. Watching her try to, like, navigate this situation she doesn't understand, I thought was fascinating, and I was just in 100% with her. When she gives the piano key to to the loser, I'm like, wow, like, wh- like how much, like, why she's doing what she's doing, like, I understood why she did it as a kid, and then her just devastation after it all happens, I thought she was, I thought she made this movie. She's great. Um, I also when I was when I was 16 I didn't like Anna Paquin's character I was like what is she she's a little brat blah 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 because I was 16 and now re-watching it it's like oh no her mother actually isn't paying attention to her she's never been the most important thing in her mother's life ever which is a totally valid like choice within this film and she's trying to latch on to someone and she's becoming a part of this community I mean one of the most interesting scenes I think is when she's being just like handed to the different like people to go into the you know to to go into the church or wherever they're doing this play and she's so happy and accepted and this last time I rewatched it I thought wow is this the first time she's ever been just accepted because she is a child born out of wedlock right she has a family now well and maybe that's another kids with papa with the maori kid she calls him papa like i thought she was fascinating oh oh, no you don't can't you can't gloss over those two things because those are huge the fact that she has that scene with the maori kids and it's like she's the kissing the trees and all that stuff like that was that was really interesting and then like i it's so great the way they set it up and and like i remember I, i i don't are either oh, sorry now personal personal stuff for a moment are either of you children of divorce no no okay so just me great cool um <laughs> so like when my when my dad remarried uh when and cut to the end here he's not with this woman anymore which is great because she was a bitch but um <laughs> there were so many times where i was like like i would tell my dad like i'm not gonna come this weekend i hate her i don't want to come i don't want to and so so like having this real like staunch like I'm not gonna do this fuck you kind of attitude is it's a that that's a real childlike thing to do but then Super and again valid. this is why I I love this movie one a couple scenes later she's just calling him Papa I'm not gonna call him Papa and then she is and I loved it. I love that there's not there's not really an inciting incident as to why she just is she's and getting I, comfortable I just it's just so I I just love the choice I love that she's doing yeah, it I agree. I also think that there is an inciting incident. I think the inciting incident is the piano lessons because her mother has before then always included her basically on everything, right? Because they have a codependent relationship. Um, She's probably the only person in the world that Ada can rely on. And then all of a sudden she creates this bond with Baines who we need to get into at some point because I gotta be honest I'm not a fan of Harvey Keitel in this movie and I am confused by why he was cast but um she forms this relationship and we have this scene where she's like mother I'm not gonna say anything I just want to be in there and at that point it changes because her mom will not let her in for very valid reasons because at that point she's in this coercive relationship with Baines but she leaves her daughter out and her daughter is not old enough to understand why. She 
witnesses what's happening between them and then we don't really see them together in the same way after that it's not no more bed that relationship has changed and i think that is brilliant and subtle and beautiful i think what i meant by an inciting incident and and i think you bringing up the the her being left out of the of the piano lesson is is probably i think i meant more like like stewart didn't do anything to earn it or at least not that we'd seen um I think as a as sort of a rebellion against mom and the the choices that was made to leave her out of the room, I think is probably is probably correct. I just meant more like, you know, Stuart's not bringing home sweets or nice things for her to like sort of like a curry favor in any way. He would build her a toy and oh, sure. fall apart because he's a loser. But she's also never had it. She's probably other than like her grandpa, who might not have been consistent. Um, she's never really had a consistent like masculine figure in her life so maybe she latched on to that and you know yeah, the, no, and- the 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 very short piece in scotland was very dark and tight right so just i just felt that was just to show that they were very isolated there until the dad the grandpa sold sold them off so you know this she's connected that's why like her and the maori kids was great like i loved that idea and how happy she was with them House is making noise. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> it's a ghost. It's fine. It's the ghost of the Maori. Um, so. Probably not. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, so, fr- friend of the pod, um, Zita, Zita Short, who lives in New Zealand, I had sent her a message the other day and I said, Is this like required watching? And she said, yes, we watched it in school. Everybody's def- everybody's seen it by the time they're 14. And she was talking so glowingly about it. And she said, did you like it? I said, oh, no, I did not. And then she didn't talk to me for like a day. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I deserve that. But that's okay. And then we talked about it again. But yeah. Um, but it, like it was just like funny. Because they're all watching it over there. And I was like, that's, that makes sense. Britt, you mentioned Kaitel. Can we can we expand on that? I, I'd love to get further into him. I find him so creepy. I find his character so creepy and unsettling. And it's very difficult for me to understand how it gets um, to the point where this is the love of her life personally. And it has nothing to do with like, the fact that Harvey Keitel was 53 or anything like that, um, it has to do with the way that Baines is portrayed. And he just, I'm I'm not on board with him. Personal, personal thing. I don't know what it is, but he really, really skeeves me out. Like when he's getting under the piano and touching the hole in her stocking, I'm like, get your fucking hand off her personally, because she did not say that you could do that and you asked her to do this only for the piano and that bothers me it bothers me that we have a movie about like a female sexual liberation that begins in coercion yeah that 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 all of a sudden her like missing him and you know we you know we know what the coerciveness and trauma does to people but it's still didn't make sense where now all of a sudden she, you know, ready to bail on him. At least Stuart was a stable psychopath. Baines was just, I mean, the, 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 like I said, I'm good with this movie being a few minutes longer 
But I am also very good with that scene of him taking his clothes off to dust the piano, never existing in film. Oh, I actually really enjoy that that scene because I think it shows just how creepy he is. He was just fully deranged so, at that point. I was like, just this guy's so, this guy's <laughs> off the fucking rails. Like, get we could do this other ways, and it went on for like forty seconds too long. And I, I, I think Kaitel was good as the creepy rapist, um, the coercive rapist who's obsessed with music that he's heard for the first time. Good for him. The Holly Hunter's beautiful, so all good. But um, the scene, so it's it's at the tail end of my favorite scene when he when he gets the finger, and his no no slamming his head like near a tree. I felt like he like for. I thought it felt like that was his like practice scene and he forgot to fully commit. Okay, okay, hold on. I have to chime in. So many so many things have been said that I wanna so the 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 hole in the stocking. That's another one of those things where I feel like it came from a book. That's such a specific de- I, just from the storytelling. It yeah. just seems so, so specific. That's a good point. That's so a, uh, yeah. specific that I thought was just so like, oh wow. Um I, I will say the special features on the on the criterion were were okay. Um, I wish somebody younger had interviewed uh, Jane Campion because, uh, like, I think she was like a seventy-something-year-old woman, in her, and I was like, "You." I think I saw the same interview. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of old, but at one point, Jane Jane Campion goes that Baines is her ideal kind of man, an animal kind of man with sensitivity, but isn't trained. So, I, I bring that up because I guess that's somebody's version of well the dog cut right she's um, making a um, point there it's too much right cut the dog please we already know what's happening but that's the point but with her saying that that like puts context to the way she was looking at things but uh the other two things i wanted to say because i definitely so here's two things about kaitel really quick one dude liked to show his wang in movies i mean he just did hey he owned it good but for he him didn't consider it um full frontal nudity he considered it acting because actors apparently do not um do nudity they just portray whatever they're asked to portray hey good for him owning it well, whatever it was he definitely yeah. he definitely showed his penis um but it was a lot but there was the other thing though and you mentioned that scene joey and i'm so glad you did because if you didn't i would have so that scene where he's really angry and he's like kind of slamming it head, yeah he makes verbatim the exact same sound at the end of Reservoir Dogs when he is holding Tim Roth. That yeah. that is a Harvey Keitel sound. Um, and it felt like, not only did it feel like the first take, but it felt like, what did I do in Reservoir Dogs? Oh, maybe something like that. Right. And then they never shot it again. They just and didn't... they just put that into the movie. Bees talk about such an effective scene in Reservoir Dogs where like, I have like a visceral reaction to that. And this, I was like, oh, are they going to like run it back real quick? Like, but what happened? Like, this is a really pivotal scene that Adam Paquin just threw the roof. And he's like, ah, I guess. So for me, that scene doesn't hit because my, and I'm going to just go with my favorite scene already. My favorite scene, and this is controversial, but it is where Alistair and Ada are fighting and he chops off her finger. It's the best I scene of the movie. It My is, favorite scene. Without question. It's incredible. I watched that scene numerous times because I said early on I was only really engaged once. I don't think I blinked any of the times I watched that scene. It is perfect. It's when, one of the most perfect film like uh, scenes I've ever seen. I could not agree with you more. 
when she slumps and the dress kind of plumes oh, out before it's God. just so fucking it's just captivating her and her and that that in particular and granted yes her she, Holly Hunter did not get her actual finger chopped off but the the stoicness the like I'm not like what whatever was going on with her in that moment was just it just pulled me in it was so amazing. much it is the scene in the movie that I was shocked watching. Um, I, I really do enjoy something. I look for scenes and for movies that elicit like a visceral response from me. Something that's very powerful. Something This one is very tragic. And even thinking about it like right now, I kind of am like, oh God, I kind of want to cry a little bit because it's the the... The performances from all three of the actors, from Anna Paquin, from Sam Neill, and from Holly Hunter, it's perfect, and it's beautiful, and I just, so so going from that scene to Harvey Keitel's scene, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I understand that Baines is supposed to be the one at this point, but I, it, it falls completely flat for me. Other than Anna Paquin's performance, I think her just screaming amazing. is amazing. I also worry about her mental health because she's like nine doing that and i'm like oh what did jane campion say to her to help her through this because oof, she's a nine-year-old doing this um but other than like harvey Cattell, i was like i don't believe you at all in this scene because we just had the most incredible scene i've ever seen and when it comes to this where he's grunting like he's in reservoir dogs which is a great film but it's like he was practicing for scene. reservoir dogs so that scene I'm in, when she doesn't give him a reaction, when she keeps stoic and she just, she doesn't lose all that, it's amazing. And when Anna Paquin's running to Baines, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, all right, I'm in. Even though I wasn't super interested, like, this is it. Like, and I was like, okay. I literally sat up in my chair. I was ready to go. And then he's like, And then I was just out. Like, just all the momentum in the world. And then, you know, when they cut to then Anna Paquin crying, I'm like, oh, she's great. But Baines just... Fucked it up because that scene's fantastic. It's not. It's the best scene in this movie. It's the best scene in many movies. Um, it's unbelievable. Do we all have the same favorite scene? Yeah. Is that a first? Uh, I I mean, with multiple hosts like this, I I it I think it might be. Yeah, that's tough. Wow, that's amazing. Congrats, y'all. High five. Friends, it's the correct answer for this movie. It is perfect. And then it's like, and then the other thing with Neil and I, and I'm going, Sam Neil, sorry, that's not Neil, your husband. Um, <laughs> no, my husband's a feminist. He's amazing. He's not Sam Neil in this movie, I promise. You made me do this. <laughs> I, I, and I, it's one of, and he, I love that he asks Kaitel at the end, did she speak to you? Because it seems like the kind of driving neurotic question that that somebody like him would have to know and and as much as like we can sit and go oh my god you're such you're so pathetic it's like again it's like it's the i think it's the believable patheticness of sam neill in this movie that makes me so like wow that's just he's very good in that scene yeah because that's it's finally his like motivation and that her not giving him talking when she cut off her finger i was like good (laughs) 
Is this movie magical realism, though? That's my question, because she talks about earlier, like having a psychic connection, basically, with somebody saying, oh, we don't need, your father and I never needed to speak because we were just like, you know, sheets of paper, basically. And so then when I watch that scene, I'm like, is she a siren? Like, are they... Are they saying this is magical realism and she can talk to people because she's brought it up a couple of times in the movie? I don't actually think she can. I think it's him having a bit of a break. But I did think it was kind of interesting to go, oh, wait, maybe. Maybe she's psychic. Maybe this is a magical realist piece in the end. Well, and I love how – I what is it? Um, Like towards the end, you know, she talks about – uh. That she, she, her will has her, her will had made her choose life, but still it has her spooked. I love that she goes, "I'm quite the town freak," which satisfies. Like clearly, she has a certain. I don't want to know if it's a view of herself or just kind of what she knows people must think about her. But there's some kind of joy that she gets from kind of being who she is, and I I love that. I I don't know I. The fact that she kind of says that like that people see me a certain way. And I, I kind of enjoy that. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I think that's another little piece of her that I enjoy. If we're talking about the end of this film, I do have opinions about the end of this film. Yeah, probably the, the dark with a light weird. sheet over your face. Is that the dark? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to cover half my face and go, ah. So when most people talk about this film, they talk about Wuthering Heights. They talk about the other movie that I, or the other book that I didn't write down that's very similar to this the move the book that I kept thinking of was um The Awakening by Kate Chopin did either of you wa- read that book in high school it does not ring a bell no no okay it's like a a feminist anthem I would say from it, it was it's from the turn of the century, so it's like 1899, and it follows a woman named Edna who completely rejects social norms and tries to find pleasure and happiness for herself outside of her household. And in the end, she chooses to die in order to find true peace. So spoilers for a book that's quite old. Um, It doesn't have a happy ending. It doesn't give us any answers. And I kind of feel like that's where this movie should have gone. I agree. Personally. I think that one thing that really pulled me out of it is when Ada had a happy ending. And I choose to believe that my favorite shot in the film is correct, which is the very last shot of the film of the piano up to Ada's corpse still tethered to the piano. Which is cruel, I know, but I feel like that's where this movie built to and should have stayed at. I would have liked that better. That was a great shot too. That is, yeah, that's a great shot. Yeah, the 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 coda of the film is is interesting. It doesn't. It's about the only real criticism I I have of the movie is just the end and 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 uh, the way that the and because I think the 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 cinematography the editing. Most like in all the production design, that's all great. There's so when when the rope kind of goes around her foot, and trust me, I I kind of gasped because I definitely didn't remember that that happened. I was like, oh shit! Um, but then when she's coming out of the water, and you can, they clearly didn't intend to present this in slow motion, and you can tell because the way the slow motion is used, it, it's really cho- uh, choppy. It doesn't look great. Um, 
basically from her getting out of the water to the end, it just feels a bit off. Harvey Keitel isn't wet at all. So he was not, even though he's a sailor, he was not willing to jump in after her. He was like, oh, she went in. I guess, I guess she's gone. Um, But, you know, his friends did. So thank God for them. Good friends are important. Yeah. Especially when your true love goes into the water that you cursed. He's working on his, on the mental blueprints for the finger. He was going to. I mean, that's okay. That is I don't like the coda, but man, I love that finger. That finger is very cool. <laughs> the, the fact that he put a nail on there was awesome. Just yeah, a nice and just extra the, like, strapping, man, very steampunk-esque fan. So, so but your favorite shot was uh, the, the last image. Um, the last image, yeah, 100%. It's so haunting and beautiful when they pull away from the piano and it's sunken tomb in the ocean and you just see her corpse above it and I go oh I choose to believe that's the end Joey what about you what's your favorite shot the piano on the beach the abandoned piano on the beach so good I think it's gorgeous I have a fun little thing about that it wasn't a, a shot that they anticipated but the weather was bad and the the like uh the, the lighting is perfect yeah, so they're like, I guess let's put a piano out there and shoot it. And they did, and they got that shot, and it's beautiful. Uh, so I, I, mine's kind of a cheat, uh, but I don't know. Fuck it. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, so it's the it's the shot of her from behind, and she's holding her arm, and the camera zooms in on her hair, and then it crossfades into the, the forest, which I just think is so great because I, I i think it's it's a beautiful shot it's a beautiful cut and then it's i at least for me it's it's i think i think what campion is going for or at least this is this is my interpretation is like you know that uh you know a woman's mind but i think it's really anybody's mind is a deep force that we'll never we'll never we'll never see the ends of we'll never know all of it in full detail and i i just love the way that and just the way her hair is too, it's up in that bun and it, it's, it's like all knotty and then you get to trees and there's knots in trees. And I was like, ah, I just really liked everything about that. And then when you're in the forest, it's just gorgeous. Um, it's like Terrence Malick pre thin red line kind of up into the, up through the tree shot. It's just great. It's a great shot. She u- utilizes the forest so well in this. Maybe it's actually the DP being like, oh, I can get this shot here. But even, an incredibly uncomfortable scene where she's where the Sam Neill's character is attempting to rape her um, because he just needs to feel closeness, which is not an excuse and not okay. But that's the excuse they give him in the in the movie Um, when she's grabbing at all of the branches and all of the roots and trying to pull herself away. Incredible. Does it make me want to cry? Yes, because that is un comfortable but it's a beautiful like they I don't believe that existed I believe they did like cultivate it but it's an incredible use of the space that they had in order to showcase this very disturbing scene with maybe my unsung hero maybe not I haven't decided well and then maybe I'll I'll flip it I won't make you I won't make you commit to anything yet uh Joey do you have a, who's your unsung hero? What 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 do you got? What do you got percolating over there? So I've been tweet too, um, but I spoke a lot about Anna Paquin. But I went with the cinematographer Stuart Driver. He was fantastic. I mean, so it's good. this new movie is 
beautiful looking. It's it's really amazing to watch to see, and the shots they get are just fantastic. That is Stuart Dreiberger's is my runner up, um, because yeah, I, I mean, wow, I mean, this movie is, I, and obviously in a year where Schindler's List isn't in the running, I think this wins. It was just, it, it just gorgeous. Um, but I went with, and I know it's it, you know, it's not. I guess traditional in a sense, but I, I went with Michael Nyman who did the score uh, because hot damn. That was my number two. <laughs> and like, it, it's not just like, it's so funny when the, cause piano is obviously played in the movie and, and then is used in that way too. But then obviously it, it scores other parts of the movie and it really is such, I mean, I take the title aside. It is such a vital piece of this movie is how much we get it. And it's, I, and I really, really, I, it's also a very um, evoking score. It pulled me in a lot. Yeah, completely agree. It was um, Ada's heartbeat. It was our way into her. So every time you heard that, like her, her song, basically like you, I don't remember what it's called. The heart wants what it wants or whatever that's called. You, I would feel, Oh my gosh, we're finally feeling something that Ada that's pure for her for someone who is so closed off and so unknowable and every time I heard that that theme it was it it, it, I got excited about it he was my second one like that it was between Sam Neill and and Michael Nyman for my unsung hero so I'm gonna go with Sam Neill just because um because I I don't think that this film would exist without his, I don't think it would get the accolades that it gets without this performance. What a difficult character. I can't even imagine playing somebody as uh, honestly kind of disgusting as, as Sam Neill's character is, but he plays him with such, such grace in a way. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but this performance makes it for me. You have to have somebody like this in this role, or else it's just one note. I I completely agree. I completely agree with that. He also had a really tough time on this set. Apparently, like it was really lonely. Jane Campion would give him hugs a lot because Holly Hunter stayed by herself a lot, which makes sense. She was trying to like, but which is not the way that I play it. I like to be, if I'm in a show with somebody and I think like Adam can, we did a pretty like intense show. So I like to be friends with people that I'm like, Hey, we're going to slap each other on stage. Let's do this. Let's be friends. I, I am more so like, I need to be really close with people in order to make this happen where she was like, no, I need to be closed off from you. He was like, and then Anna Paquin was nine. So she's not going to be my friend. And Harvey Keitel apparently was just a dick. So he was like, I had no one. I had nothing. This was such a like really difficult shoot for me. He was like, but Jane can't and gave me hugs so it made it all the better there's there's like an awesome guy so and and i think the original making of featurette everybody is either like joyful or like really into this like you know holly hunter is just like leaning in and she's sam neil is noticeably morose talking about the film i mean and like at one point he's i i don't i'm not going to know what he says but he's like yeah 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 and uh yeah, and the, and just the, the biggest pause, and it's just like, dude, and and like I'm sure he he knew the artistic endeavor, and like and, and maybe you know because there's 
there, there's a reason why he did it, and I'm sure you know after he saw it, he kind of got it. But like, it looked like they were shooting that partially on set, that that making a featurette, and like he just, I mean, noticeably was like, ah. Uh. Uh, yeah, like like uh, totally obligate. Like I'm just here so I won't get fined. Kind of mentality, you know. Oh. Like it, right, yeah. It's tough. <laughs> Justice for Sammy. Aw, yeah. he's great. And he's great in this movie. He, I think he said he was like, I'm the fourth most in person, like important person in this film. So everybody forgets about me, and that's okay. I should not be a focal point. I'm like, I don't think anybody should forget about that performance. He's really really good and necessary even if it's a really disgusting character so let's 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 just let's because i got it open here let's let's hypothesize a little bit could sam neill have been nominated for best supporting actor i'm going to read to you who was nominated from this year okay so tommy lee jones wins for the fugitive we also have leonardo dicaprio in what's eating gilbert gape ray fines for schindler's list john malkovich for in the line of fire and Pete Postlethwaite for In the Name of the Father. I got to be honest, and I, I've seen all these. I think you could pop out Malkovich or Postlethwaite and get Sam Neill on there, per- personally. I am Sam Neill all the way, so I agree. I, I think He's Malkovich so stays in there, but um, Postlethwaite could get out of there. I'm good with that trade-off. I don't care I, enough about, you know, I think they're... Um, interchangeable but but i like sam neill better so i think i'm good with sam neill getting involved just for any sam neill love and also quite the year for holly hunter who also was nominated for the firm and loses to anna paquin which is amazing she's so good in the firm oh my god she's so good we actually just watched that last year and i so when i was looking up you know oscar stats for this year i was like oh that was a that was a worthwhile. Uh, she should be nominated for that. I agree. I love Holly Hunter. This was really this was a year where like four movies won most of it because Schindler's List yeah, won weird. a shitload. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird year. Weird year. Piano won three. Jurassic Park won three, and Philadelphia won two because it won actor and song. Um, so those four movies pretty much took them all home. But it wasn't nominated for best score, right? It was not nominated for best score. I, I wish and, people could see me right now because I'm incensed. This is, does not make sense to me. And there's probably a thing about using too uh, anything that would that was previously um, anything that was previously written or recorded. I think that's what that it sort of null and voids the um, the nomination. I do think that's a little bit bullshit because oh, I, I fucking totally agree. <laughs> Because the way that the music is utilized in this film is so important. And I'm just thinking about like, oh, what if a score from nowadays was put in? And it kind of makes me laugh. Uh, just it's it's so important for this film. And I just, that's bullshit. It's bullshit, Oscars. I don't agree. I think you're wrong. That's it. That's all I got I, to say. I totally agree. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. Um. Yeah, what a bunch of what a crack of shit. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I definitely don't want to leave anything on the table. Um, uh, cause uh, cause I have I always have one more thing that I want to bring up for certain. But is any anything left that has been unsaid? Have we? I don't want to. I don't want to leave you all as Ada at the end of this thing, not getting to speak. Just 
you know, like going down to the bottom of the ocean with our pianos. Exactly. I don't want to tether you to a piano and then drop you into the water. Joey, what are you doing? I'm practicing like Holly. (laughs) Oh, because, oh, we all all should do it. It's in the dark. I'm practicing like Holly. In the dark. Like Ada. Wait, I can flip my yeah. over and maybe just Ooh. do it like this. Ah. Ah. Oh, wow. Really good for podcasting. <laughs> A visual cue. Well, we're recording the visuals. I know. I really need to get on it and start actually posting some of this some of this shit because because I what's do make a lot of like dumb faces, so but I think I would just say expressive. Dumb is not the word I would use. Yeah, very. Re- it's it's wonderfully reactionary. I I love your reactions. Way too. I I have no poker face. Like you know immediately how I feel about it's something great. as soon as it's just. Yeah, I'm so bad at games. I love games, but God, if there's a game where I have to like hide my hand, I'm screwed. Um. Anyways, <laughs> I do have something that I would like to bring up. Awesome. Is this a feminist film? Uh, so I, I, I hate to answer your question with a question. Um, and I feel like the, and the question I'm going to ask seems intentionally vague and I, and I, and I'm not meaning it to be, but can you explain to me? No, no, no. Can you explain to me what feminism means today? And and what I, and what I honestly mean by that is like, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's changed or people just like people's definitions, run the gamut and so i don't even know i truly don't even know how to answer that question uh because i'm not even sure if i understand feminism in general well that's fair i mean it's it's a a very broad term and um i guess my my thing in this movie is there are so many times that i read in the last like you know how many days like six days let's be real i didn't do as much research for this movie as i should have done because i was very focused on frankenstein and (laughs) you all know how contentious i got about that movie but um a lot of when i was reading through articles about this film there was a lot about this being the first film to showcase um pleasure through the female lens and how it was um Ada's choices that made this very feminist because she she had a choice in who she engaged with and um I just don't know if I agree with that personally and that's okay I don't think that every film has to be a feminist film um and I I think maybe for 1993 it might have been considered that but from like today's standard there's absolutely no way I can look at this film and think it's it's very it's positive for female representation and and it's it's very difficult because um I think it would have been more interesting if she didn't choose anybody in the end um it's kind of like I'm in a rock uh, what what do I choose between a rock and a hard place I guess I'll go with Baines and and I don't necessarily know if I agree with um people saying that she was finding her sensuality and her sexuality with with Baines because it's a coercive relationship. So I guess maybe that's what I'm talking about when it comes to, is this a feminist film? Is she having a sexual awakening or not? Yeah, I mean, being that it's 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 coercive, even though she goes back to it. And, but looking through the lens now, I think it makes it a little bit, you know, it's 30 years different. Like when yeah. Jane Campion going at it, I, I probably thought it was. Right? Yeah. And I don't, and I think Holly Hunter, she keeps her, Ada keeps her composure through it. Like she 
does make a choice, but, you know, it's, it's a little bit of the illusion of choice, but she, you know, her slaver or a rapist, but I, I guess, you know, you go with the guy who's going to build you the finger, not take your finger. And it's I mean, a I, really cool thing. It's a really cool finger. I, I hadn't thought about it in, from the, the aspect of, because obviously when it's a movie, it's hard, it's hard to not just accept it like, oh, well, this happens because it was written and that's just how the way the, yeah, the plot sure. is. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but no, but the way that you, you, you brought that up of the idea that, you know, that she, that she doesn't have to engage in the, the, you know, the, the 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 black keys right that each key get, er, will earn her the piano she doesn't have to engage in that and she chooses to and i'm not saying it's because she knows she's gonna have some kind of a sexual relationship with baines down the road because i don't i don't think that we're supposed to jump to make that to make that leap but i think that there is something to be said about that she she does decide to to do it um i wouldn't i don't i don't think i would call that feminism um, or a feminist decision, um, but I do, I do like how much that she's in the driver's seat, and maybe that's just because she's the she's our she's our lead. She's she's right. the person that we're following through the movie. Um, so yeah, I didn't answer your question uh, because that's I don't okay. know. But it's a, I also it's a think tough that's, that's question a, that's that I a, didn't. But that's a great yeah, it's a great big question to to ponder. Right, but you do bring up the point about the keys, right? Like his he his first. Um, I guess suggestion was all the keys and then she kind of got it to all the black keys. So she, at least in this coercive situation kind of took some control back of it. But I will, I will counter um, with who would believe her if she said he's trying to coerce me into something. Literally who in this situation would believe her, her husband who is friends with Baines and also like, People don't believe women nowadays, so why would they believe them in the 1850s, especially a woman who doesn't, who chooses not to talk um, and has been pretty antagonistic towards her husband? I don't necessarily think she has a choice in that, and that's her going, the only thing I can possibly do is maybe do it for less. Only thing, and that's problematic to me. <laughs> the first time I watched it, it didn't bother me as much, and then I thought about it more and rewatched it this morning, and I went, ooh, this this is rough. This is a hard, a hard thing for me to watch, which is probably another reason why I really don't like Harvey Keitel's performance, because I don't like that character. I don't like the situation that he puts her in. Yeah, his character is the so the the ending is definitely a low point and his character is just the most. Well, I. It's just it's yeah it's a very confusing character and I don't know how much that's on the page and how much that's Kaitel it's obviously it's a mixture of both the way that it comes out but I have one positive thing to say about it He presents himself naked in front of a clothed woman how many other times has that happened I can't really think of any but usually it's the opposite usually the woman is fully nude coming into a male space and it is like a depiction that I rarely see of a man completely vulnerable and nude walking into a fully clothed female space. And that's awesome. And I was totally on board with that. And I wish we had more representation like that. Let's all just, you know, let's have more nude people that are in spaces that they want to be nude in. I I, I have, to, I would, it would be, I would, I would, I have to share this story with you. So, uh, please, when I was in grad please. school, I'm so happy. When I was in grad school, I got to be in a production of Dangerous Liaisons, which uh, many people will know from the great show. 
1988 film with uh, Malkovich and Michelle Pfeiffer and Glenn Close. Anyway, if you've seen the movie or if you know the story, you know that there are... It's mostly the female characters that are naked in it. The Uma Thurman character who plays... Um, uh, she's not... She's not a prostitute. I, there's a different word they use for it in the movie, but she's basically a Is sex a worker. A courtesan? Yeah, I think that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, she's a courtesan. Um, but then there are productions where certain times the um, the the uh, the Cecily character will be naked when she's uh, seduced, and also um, uh, the Michelle Pfeiffer character, depending on the production that you see. Anyways, though, uh, my director was like, you know what? We're actually not going to do any of that. And when you come in to seduce Cecile, you are going to be naked. And so I first was like, cool, okay, let's do it. Um, but then I got so I got such joy because on the poster, it said this play contains nudity. And I think if you are a college-aged man and you've done any research into the play, you are expecting <laughs> one thing. Oh yes. And then and then all you saw was me. Um I'm I it's it, here's the thing. Like like I, I certainly am not saying that if you're going to be an actor, you have to get naked. But like, men should be way more comfortable doing it. Like, because because women have been forced to do it forever. Right. And it's and like at the end of the day, like, what what what? I mean, my personal experience was, yeah, I did it. I don't. I'm not. I doesn't. I'm not weird about it. It was what it was. Right. Okay. The way Holly Hunter talks about it, because she's you know the new, she's like yeah, it's just. This is what the character did. This is so it makes sense. Like, if it makes sense for the character, let's do it. And that that's the right attitude. I mean, the only opportunity I ever had, other than, you know, doing burlesque, but in burlesque, I wear pasties and a very tiny G-string every single time because you have to. But, like, the only other opportunity I had to be naked on stage was when Adam and I did a show and they ended up being like, we're just going to have you in pasties and a G-string. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Like, I'm good either way. And they decided against it, which is absolutely valid and awesome and I think like nudity is a part of being an actor that you could expect but if you're not comfortable with it don't do it like you you do not have to do it and you shouldn't ever be forced to do it but I do I do think that it it does like in this movie Harvey Keitel being nude in that scene adds so much to it if he walked out just like shirtless in his trousers I'd be like well all right fuck you Harvey Keitel that doesn't really hit but him just being that vulnerable amazing I I do agree with that yeah I do it's a great point great point about that scene so yeah feminism in this movie it's a it's a tricky subject who knows not us (laughs) you know I think you know the, the 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 intent was good by the writer and director. And it's a complicated relationship, and I appreciate seeing a complicated relationship, but it just is icky all around in all moments. Agree. Um, so uh, I mentioned at the beginning I made a list of the the, Ooh, the, yeah. the best original screenplay winners um, from the 90s. There are 10 of them. There's 10 years in a decade. And uh, I had, I know, I know it's weird. I don't know. That's how math works sometimes. Um, I had the piano at 10, um, which uh, now that I've watched it again uh, is too low. It's too low for me. Um, And so I, I, I really came to, uh, I had, I really, I looked into myself. Um, I walked around my downstairs, made a couple of laps down here 
Um, I frequented the movie wall and I looked at the movies uh, that are on this list. And uh, I had the crying game at 10 before. I got to be, or not the crying game. Uh, I had uh, the piano at 10. Piano, I, I got it at five now. I agree with that. It's so I, good. Also, I didn't know Ghost won. Like, going to yeah, be perfectly Ghost, honest. Great Ghost win. Won. Great win. Good I think given Ghost. the given the competition in ninety two, I don't know who else you would have fucking given that movie to. Yeah, I have it I have it between usual suspects at four and Thumb on Louise at six. And given the day, I could see myself switching between Thumb on Louise and, and the piano. Um depends on but, but I just watched the piano and I'm 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 at this moment I'm very in on it's a, piano. It's a great film. I gotta be honest. I was shocked when I watched this. I really didn't think I would enjoy this movie at all. And because I didn't enjoy it the first time I watched it. And um, basically, it, this is this movie is like a technical feast. Everything in it is beautiful. The cinematography, the direction, the acting, the costuming, the performances. It is so gorgeous. Um, but my second viewing did make me take a lot of things into consideration. I was excited for it because I thought I saw it in theaters 30 years ago. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't. I just keep thinking about that and almost laughing and ruining things on this. It's just. Oh, I, I, we haven't, we should have mentioned that. Wow. This is bad on me. This is we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the piano. <gasps> oh yeah. Maybe not to the day, but to the Happy year we 30th. are. 30 years ago. I saw this in theaters today. <laughs> good. Joey, 30 good years ago. I was four. So. I was nine. So, you know normal nine-year-old things i was like yeah i want to go watch a movie about pianos and selective mutes yeah i mean you were you were a real big fan of her previous film an angel at my table weren't you i mean you were huge jane campion (laughs) all the way poster in my room yeah right next it was the ultimate warrior jane campion what is the ultimate warrior it's a wrestler. How dare you? How I don't know dare anything you? about wrestling. So he is, from parts he is, unknown, he has surpassed wrestling into <laughs> pop culture. And Incredible. Poor Jim, rest in peace. I think at four, I probably had like my Barney lamp still up. Let's be real. Dope. That's good too, though. Yeah, Barney can't go wrong. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a quote that I've heard once from family guy. And we're going to, we're going to end this with the compliment sandwich, because I think I know how the answers to this are going to go. So, uh, Britt, I'm going to start with you. Do you think that the piano should be in the book of a thousand and one movies you must see before you die? Okay. So I came into this really unsure because my first watch, absolutely 100% in it. Um, second watch, not quite so much. I had an issue with, some of the story elements I had an issue with the Maori representation and I had a replacement for it I really do um but I think this is a beautiful film and I think that it deserves to be watched at least once and it is a feast as I said before so I actually am gonna say yes this time around um I think that's the first time I've said yes in like 10 episodes, but uh, I am going to say yes to the piano and I'm going oh, to. Brittany, allow... that's not true. You said yes to, to Hickson. Oh, I did say yes to Hickson, but I mean, how can you not say yes to Hickson? <laughs> if you say no, then we are not friends. Like, it's just, sorry. It's not going to happen. Because now we, now we know the real, like the real 
the real heads know that it's Hicks and, and anybody says Hacks and be like, get the fuck, you get the fuck out. Get the now. fuck out. Out. Out of Violently. my life. Violently. Yeah, 100%. And then you just like flick your tongue at them like the devil would want. Uh, but yes, I'm going to say, yes, the piano should be in the book. All right. Uh, Joey. Well, do you think that the piano should be? <laughs> well, this movie looks great. Emma Paquin's awesome. I love Holly Hunter. Sam Neill's second best movie of the year, I guess. But um, <laughs> for the fifth time this year, I'm saying no. This movie does not belong. I would not put this movie in the book, A Thousand and One Movies, to see before you die. Because, you know, I like people. <laughs> and I don't, apparently. <laughs> you love meatloaf. Okay. <laughs> we had to bring meatloaf into this again. My God. Holy My God. Shit. We're talking about the piano and you bring up meatloaf? <laughs> okay so joe joey you're not okay piano's coming out what's what's going in what are you putting in so i'm actually putting in a pretty new movie from 2020 a movie that i think is great a movie that i'm very afraid is going to get an american adaptation that we do not need it's a movie it's directed by thomas vinterberg it's starring mads mickelson it's another round um, I watched that movie when, you know, Oscars prepped that year. I, I, I fit it in and then I watched it like three times that week. I've watched it many times since. I think it's fantastic. I think everything about it works. And I think that is something that everybody should see because I think it's, it says so much and does so much. And I love Mads. So another round would be my replacement. Interesting pick. I like it. I like it. I also like that movie. That's good. That's a good movie. Um, so I, I mean, it's so, I, I, I really love when I can like admit how wrong I was, uh, because I just straight up thought that I would hate this movie, uh, for all time. Um, and I, and again, a beauty of the podcast, like I, I straight up when we were picking the season, I was like, I, I probably I, I foolishly blind bought the piano criterion and I'm like I'm I, I hate this movie why did I fucking do that and then I, I watched it and I'm like no I actually uh I really I really dig this movie quite a bit I absolutely think it should be in the book um and it is it's a great like I was so bummed that Melissa didn't watch it with me um because I got done and I immediately wanted to have a conversation about it um and I think that's you know, it, technical things aside, like I, that's when I can watch whether it's a a play or a movie or a TV show. When I get done with something, and my first thought is, "Hot damn, I want to have a conversation about it." That's a at least for me, that's my that's my telltale sign. And like so, and I I wanted to chat with it, and I was really looking forward to this, and uh, it didn't go, I guess the way I thought it would. But that's also what makes for the great episodes. Um, yeah. So, question before this, if you had. If you had to choose, if we both would like it, hate it, or be like split as we are, what would you have thought? You know, I, I do think about this sometimes. Like I went into Hexen assuming both of you weren't going to like it. Like I just was uh, like, right. I'm going to be the only one <laughs> liking this film. You know, I, I think if I, I, I didn't have strong feelings one way or the other. I, I, if I had to, if I was going to pick, I could have, I think the closest thing I could have seen would have been a treasure of the Sierra Madre where we all 
we all said no. But I don't think I didn't. I wouldn't have seen us being as hard on it. Um, uh, so I think the fact that it went the way it did, um, it definitely surprised me. I and then once I once I rewatched it and I was I was so high on it, I was like, oh fuck. Well now I don't know what the barometer is because. I was expecting to hate the rewatch, so um, I, I really, I really, truly didn't know. Yeah, so I, 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 what you said about wanting to talk about it when it's done—that's how I gauge everything. Like how much and how long I want to talk about things. And when this was over, I was like, I think I'm gonna cancel on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so it just Adam and me talking, and yeah, I was like, I'm like, just gonna, I'm just, right I'm just gonna bail. Piece. I'm be like, oh, my internet, sorry. <laughs> I will say that my lights flickered like four times before we started this. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, no, uh, this might not happen. So I'm glad it did. Well, listen, your power didn't go out. Joey didn't cancel. I love this movie. But of course, we want to know what you think of the piano. Um, uh, did you like it? Did you hate it? What did you think? So please find us on, on, on t- well, Adam, what the fuck? Twitter X. By the way, do you know if you do it on, on like your laptop, you still have to search Twitter? Like, yeah. Like it's oh, still twitter.com. Oh. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a fucking thought so, so stupid. What a- Anyways, find, find us on Twitter X, whatever. Um, Instagram. I don't know. Maybe shoot us an email. We do have an email, a thousand and one by one at gmail.com. It's that's there. Um, if listen you, to us. If you uh, send us an, a message on Instagram, you might get both Adam and I responding to <laughs> Which you is at amazing. the same that's, time. That's true. That's true. I'm really trying not to do that. Um, no, that's fine. I love that. That just adds character. You never know what you're getting. <laughs> um, and, and then you can listen to us on, you know, places where they, they, they have these things called podcasts. Britt, what are we, what are we talking about next week? We are coming up to the end of our season, friends. I was looking through and going, wow, we have like, what, three or four films left? That's kind of bonkers. Um, And so next week, we are going to be talking about a film that I can't really pronounce. So I'm not going to try very hard. I was really hoping you were Uh, going to because I can't figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we are talking about Le Diabolique, which I think might be Le Diabolique. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to say the director's name or who was in oh. it. I'm going to oh. talk to my sister who uh, speaks French and ask her to help me with all of these names uh, from 1955. I am so excited. Am I going to watch the uh, remake? Yes, I am. <laughs> I also would, would highly recommend you watch um, The Wages of Fear if you haven't. Um, no, I haven't. Uh, it's it's uh, it's another Clouseau film. Um, it's also we covered it early on in the show. Clouseau, um, if you there saw we go. The f- I was I was looking at it, going, I can't, I can't if, say this, and I didn't prep it. So, if anybody has seen the Friedkin film Sorcerer, that is actually a remake of Wages. Oh, of is Fear, that true? And I would highly oh. yes, I would highly recommend Wages of Fear. Uh, oh yes, God, freaking yeah, just 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 recently passed. Full of what a what a career he had. Um, yeah. At this yeah. point, it'll be like three months after, but very true. But still, we're we're topical here, and that's what matters. Um, yep. So, so that was the piano. Uh, next time, next week, we're going to we're going to France. But until then, I am Adam. I am Brit. And I am Joey. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you for La Diabolique.